1: Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Rumor and Innuendo. It is me, House of Wrestling's Nick Hausman, And me, WWE creative
0: issues, Robert Carpolis.
1: We have a half hour of power here today to give you all your top pro wrestling news. We're going to be talking all about that WWE preview special last night. We got Charlotte Flair's injury, Natalia training with the AEW stars, more on Kevin Dunn, Chris Jericho's cruise, dynamite viewership, and a whole lot more. But we're not going to waste any time here today because right at the top of the show, we have a very special guest. You're going to be able to see him starring in the upcoming series on Discovery, Big Little Brawlers. It debuts on Tuesday, January 9th, 10 p.m. EST. It is our very good friend, Ivar
2: the Micro. Ivar! How's it going? The voice of micro wrestling.
1: Ivar, (laughs) thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Robert you looked like you wanted to say something I didn't know if you wanted to start or not you like leaned forward. no I'm,
0: I'm dude I'm letting you lead Nick uh... Okay,
1: great great well then I'll kick this off here Ivar we're very excited to have you here today Robert and I have both had a chance to watch the screener for episode one uh one of the things that we noticed immediately here about the series that's really kind of different than kind of some of the other series we've seen about pro wrestling recently like wrestlers uh or monster factory is There's a little bit lighter tone, I feel like, with this. It's a little bit more playful than some of the other pro wrestling docu-series. So I just wanted you to kind of talk to us a little bit about, you know, what fans can expect from the show and, like, what you're hoping that they take away from it.
2: So my hope that everybody takes away from this show is an inspiring piece and as far as what these little people have to do every single day of their life. So people don't know this about micro wrestling. There's two groups that tour the United States. That's Micro One and Micro Two. T O O. There's 550 shows a year between two groups. Now we have two able-bodied tall people that are on each team, right? That do the training, help with the training, help with the driving of the bus, uh, help with the setup. But these little people, four foot seven guys, are carrying poles and posts every day, putting the structure together every day. For the fans that come out by the thousands, um, and it's just because they love entertaining people. We also tear the ring down every single night. If we have a 9 o'clock show, we're lucky to get back to the hotel by 1 in the morning. Uh, that's the life. And then we get up in the morning, right, at 11 o'clock checkout, and sometimes 10, and you have a four-hour drive. And you got to be – so if your show's at 8, you have to have the ring set up by 5.30, which means that the doors open at 7. So it's it it goes and it just doesn't stop. We love it, but it's a lot of work. And I'm hoping that this television show puts a spotlight on what we really do, because some people come to little people wrestling, and it's a it's a laughing stock. I'm not gonna lie to you. Sometimes it's a um, oh they're little, so you know that's cute, right? But these guys actually go. These guys are really good wrestlers. These guys sometimes put the guys on TV to shame. And I, I could sit here and say that. Now, the big reason why our company has been the number one, the big reason is the wrestling. The reason the wrestling is so good is because our trainer that we just hired is Cody Cody Hawk. Cody Hawk has put L.A. Knight, John Moxley, Sammy Callahan, and many, many more on television. That's our trainer.
0: <laughs> so that was one of the big takeaways I had from this from the beginning and watching the show is because – Yes, you can have a, a wrestling card where you have one little person match on there as a novelty. When the entire show is nothing but performers who are, who are little people, it needs to be a high-quality wrestling show. And in watching how hard you guys are training, it felt comparable to stuff I saw when I was at WWE or MLW. You guys are working through those matches. They are they are really well laid out. There's, they're invested in the characters. Uh, from, from your perspective – you know, what does that feel like to, to see those shows get put together?
2: Uh, so to be honest, I was so happy you asked that question, because that is the most rewarding thing. See, I was a diehard and I still am. I'm a diehard fan. I could see these tours happening. Right. And I could see the same match in the, in the same week. And I will call it the same way. Like, you know what I mean? Because. I love wrestling so much, and it's a fresh match to me every time, and that's how I call it every time. Even if I've seen the match before, you know, the fans that are there live have it, and I call it the same way, breathe life to it the same way. But my favorite thing about this company, the most rewarding thing is watching the training happen before the night and watching the buildup and the progression, seeing somebody new like Mike Roswabe, who's really timid at first, grabbing the mic like this, Almost holding it like this, right? And he's like, I'm micro suave. I you know, and there he's getting booed out of the building and he's not doing a good job at first. But then watching every night, every night it gets more and more confident. And all of a sudden, I'm micro suave, and you're gonna hear what I have to say, you know, and you watch that confidence just sort of, you know what I mean, and progress. And that's the best part of this whole thing is watching these superstars and their rise to where they are, you know, we have really, we have the best talent. I think I, I love the superstars we have here. I love them. They're great.
1: Well, and, and one thing I wanted to ask you, Ivar, is you said that you are the voice of uh, MWF here, right? And that is for a reason, you know, as you know, at least detailed in the first episode that we were allowed to see, you suffer from brutal bone disease. And the way you even described it in the, the first episode was like, you could possibly break a bone even walking across the street now the big tease here is that you want to have a pro wrestling match that seems absolutely insane Ivar so talk a little bit about put people in your head Ivar why is it that you want to put yourself in this position
2: um so I know that and this is sad to say but it's a reality I know that my time regardless of you know whatever happens I know My physical body and my stature, I will not be able to run around the ring and do this concert like I do in the ring every night. I know my body's on a ticking time bomb. I know that I'm in the best shape of my life, uh, and I know that it's very scary. It doesn't make sense to anybody else in my life. I had to battle with my wife on it. I've had to battle with my dad on it. I've had to battle with my whole family on the training and everything else, and I'm trying my best to get in the best shape I could be in. Uh, and I know it's crazy to other people, but this is something that I've been a fan of wrestling since I was five. It's been my dream. I'm not going to be in the, in better shape than I am right now. Uh, I hate to say, it, but it's only downhill from here with my body. Uh, they said I would make it to five years old and I'm 30 years old. They said I would never walk. I didn't walk until I was 15 years old. So, um, it's been all challenging my whole life. I hurt every day. Uh, there's nobody that's ever going to understand how bad I hurt, but when the adrenaline hits and my music gets, you know, played, I come alive and those fans give me a reason to push through the pain.
0: I mean, that is one of the most startling things in watching the show, because I feel like you are in a lot of ways, the emotional heart of this program is, is watching your journey and it's, it's most visible. There's a shot, there's a still photo of you and you met the rock when you were little and you're in a full wheelchair. And then you see you in the ring dancing around, bouncing, you know, like a pinball. And it's really incredible to see. So, you know, I think the two the two things I have from there is is one, what started you physically feeling like, you know what, I want to start at least training, getting myself in shape, not just to wrestle, but just to be able to strengthen yourself. And then separately, since there was a picture of The Rock and we talk a lot of modern stuff, what would you think of seeing The Rock back on Raw Monday night?
2: So to answer your first question, um, uh, I started training when I was in my teenage years, like as far as working out and I was big, I was like 85 pounds at my, my heaviest and for three foot four, you know, or 90 pounds, but that's a lot of weight when you're, I was like a loompa loompa. Like that's the best way to describe me. I was like a human bowling ball and I dropped it. I would drop 22 pounds, you know, to get to the point where I could stand up and my legs could support my body weight. Um, I have to use KT tape on my knees every single night to make my body feel like it's one cohesive unit. Uh, the way I describe it to fans is I'm like Mr. Potato Head. I got to be put together every single night. You know, <laughs> I'm like Mr. Potato Head. I can be put together every night so that I can do what I need to do in the ring so I can give them a good show. You know, I start the show. I'm the MC, And then I go into the intros we don't have enough wrestlers i run around the ring and i do intros and then i'm the first one out there to get uh do a concert 13, 13 minute concert three song and then after that i go to the mc table on the side and i announce the entire night and then i wrap up the entire show and do all the photographs and pictures at the end as far as i give you ladies and gentlemen the micro wrestlers and i list them by name i do all the closing stuff I, I start to finish on the show and it's it's a lot of walking that's the physical part of it and uh the hardest part for me is the walking but like you touched on i've been a fan my whole life uh the rock you know was my end-all be-all to see him back i was was loving it he's, he hasn't missed a step you know he's the rock and uh actually sting was my favorite but the rock is my number two the reason i didn't meet Sorry. The reason, the last thing is, the reason I didn't meet Sting for my Make a Wish instead of The Rock was because Sting wasn't an active wrestler at the time. So Sting would have just been a handshake, and that would have been it. The Rock was SmackDown meet and greet, everything. So mm-hmm. uh,
1: I wanted to add. You bring up Sting now. Sting is obviously currently contracted to All Elite Wrestling, which also airs on a Warner Brothers Discovery platform, TBS, TNT. Now you guys are all now in this fun little umbrella. Now, I don't know how closely you follow pro wrestling news, Ivar, but I broke this news uh, about a month ago, or maybe a little less than a month ago, that if WWE does wind up on TBS TNT, there's rumors that AEW could then find its way shifted over to Discovery. Now, you guys seem like the perfect kind of bumper content for an AEW programming. I could see, like cross-promotion between the two uh, entities talk to us a little bit about that AEW relationship and if we can expect to see anything i guess between the two shows
2: uh hearing you say all that almost made me tear up it's still like a dream come true um i can't believe it you know i have got to call i worked for world league wrestling ran by harley race before this i got to call nick aldous i got to call matt sidell i got to call scott steiner uh, if that were to happen with discovery channel, that'd be a dream come true. I would love nothing more than to call matches for AEW. I mean, I'm a, not opposed to anything. This has been my dream. Uh, I've been fighting my whole life to get to this, this point. And now I get to sing and I get to do wrestling every night. I get to call wrestling and sing every night. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a dream job. And if that were to happen and discovery channel picks up AEW. Oh, my gosh. I, I can't even tell you what emotions I'd be feeling. I mean, it's it, to be on this spectacle with this TV show is a dream come true for all of us. I mean, no job has ever put any of us on the pedestal. I've had to work Target, Best Buy, and jobs that they don't hire you in the name of safety, you know, because you're little. They don't hire you because you're little. And this is the only job that puts little people on a pedestal. This is the only job that makes being disabled something that you could look up to in a society that kind of looks down on people like us. So,
0: yeah, that's another huge takeaway from the show is this is not being played. You know, you said some people can look at it as a joke. This is not played as a joke at all. And you guys all look like major superstars. The audience that's there is really into it. They're really excited. And the matches, the clips that you see, these look like things you would see on Monday night or Wednesday night. I'm curious with your role as a commentator, who is it that you're studying, emulating? Who is it that that's been an inspiration to you in terms of your style?
2: Um, for me, Tony Schiavone is a big one because that's where I started. Was WCW watching WCW? Um, I take a lot from Chris Jericho because I throw a lot of jokes. See, the thing about calling these matches in micro wrestling is you have to break that mold. Everybody comes in. Some people have a phobia of little people. Some people are timid of little people when they come in like they want to come to the wrestling they're excited about it but now they sat down and there's little people walking around them they're like a little you know a little uh you know sometimes they're, they're like that and it's almost like you have to make them okay to cheer like you have to make them feel like they're it's okay to laugh and joke and cheer and the way i do that is early on the night i crack a joke that makes them like i make fun of my own size right uh reverse iris whip Big kick to the face, that size two, right to the skull. You could buy those shoes at Build-A-Bear, tell them Ivar sent you, you know, and um, stuff like that. You kind of give them a little, and then they make it, it makes it okay to laugh, right? It makes it okay. And they're like, now everybody's laughing. Their guard is down, and now they can have a good time. It sets the tempo. If you do those jokes early, it sets the tempo, and they're louder through the whole night because they're not timid about you being a little person.
0: And you do um, very quickly forget that you're watching little people wrestling because they just become outsized characters and I'm more invested in the gimmicks and the, the, the buildup, at least in the first episode, when you guys tune in and watch it, there's drama between the two top stars. And it's like, you know what? I want to see these guys wrestle based solely on what I'm watching on this show.
2: Yep. Uh, these guys are larger than life personalities. Uh, they are Sometimes I think some of these guys are bigger stars than you'll see on WWE or AEW. These guys, some of these guys have been wrestling for 20 years. Uh, They, I mean, they have given their life. And we do 550 shows, unlike any other little person wrestling organization on the planet. So there's birthdays, anniversaries, weddings. You miss everything at this job. But it's what you sacrifice to make it. Now we're on Discovery Channel. But it was a grind to get here. We had to we had to give all of our life for three years, you know, basically to get to this point. And these guys are not a joke. I mean, they come for the little people; they stay for the wrestling.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Last question here because I know we're at time. Uh, obviously, and by the way, Ivar over delivered as a guest. You were fantastic here. I have to call out a few things here. Mike Malero in our comment section saying you're a badass. Nothing but respect. We got Talking Twins MLB podcast. Ivar's been a great guest. Awesome spotlight. Now, obviously, the most, uh I would say, prominent uh little person wrestler here in the past many decades is uh, Dylan Postle, better known as Hornswoggle in WWE. Now, Dylan has outspokenly embraced another word for for the style of wrestling that you guys do. And, you know, it's been very controversial. It points the way he's kind of embraced that, I know, in the community. I just wanted to know your opinions on just kind of his stance uh, on that particular issue.
2: I didn't... I actually didn't see... What did he say to it? I
1: didn't see... He uses the... Uh, he doesn't say little people. He uses the M-word to describe the wrestling. And he's very... He embraces that. He thinks that's the word you should use to describe this style of wrestling. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: so there's... So there's two different things on that some people like that word some people don't um, I I don't know he he he's putting us on the map it sounds like as far as what he thinks he thinks we're doing a great job and so I appreciate that I've never got to work with him or meet him or anything like that but uh, I don't know exactly the words he used for this company but I hope it was good because it, the, wasn't, uh, talking
1: about, it wasn't specifically talking about your company to be fair it was oh okay. yeah
2: Okay, yeah, because he, I mean, I watched him when he was on WWE. I loved all this stuff. I thought he was hilarious. But his whole gimmick was, at the time, it, it is what little people are defined like. It was a laughing stock. He was there to make people laugh, you know, and it was a storyline. He was uh, Vince McMahon's illegitimate son, right? And they did the whole angle on that. And that's kind of how little people were, were portrayed up till history, up till now. I'm hoping that Mike wrestling is the first major program to make little people from here to here. You know what I mean? And I'm hoping that it changes the stigma because I'm watching guys like Hot Rod who are four foot seven doing a shooting star press off the top turnbuckle. How many guys in WWE could do that? A handful Ricochet and you know, just a couple of them, right? These guys are good. You watch little show. He's been wrestling for 20 years. Right, twenty years. This guy could beat anybody that you have on TV, an AEW or WWE. I guarantee it. He's that good. He does a kill shot. He holds the guy up like this. At four foot seven, holds him there, right, and then flings him forward and slams him. I mean, these guys are good. Really, really talented.
0: Well, I've heard. Oh, go ahead. So the last little takeaway I want to get because for, for those folks, um, because I, I talked about this with my wife, Nick talked about it with his wife. Not only you've seen the in-ring stuff, but Ivar, like your your relationship with your wife is part of that show and you see what your your outside the ring life is like. Number one, I think that's really fantastic. Number two, the fact that your wife caught you at one point trying to work her mm-hmm. is one of the funniest things I've seen. Cause I'm like, that is that is the wife of someone working in wrestling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. She's awesome. She's been the rock, the support. Uh, She's definitely on pins and needles on this whole journey. Uh, Doesn't want to see me get hurt in any way, shape or form. And I mean, my family, it's almost like, you know, trying to pursue this job and the running around the ring with the concert and everything that I do physically every night. It's almost like achieve your dream and ask for forgiveness later. You know what I mean? And it's like. It's hard. Your family's watching you. You're hurting every night. You're taping your body up every night. But uh, the support is real. Uh, my wife's support is real, and it's it's been amazing. And without her, I couldn't do the job.
0: Wonderful.
1: Hey, Ivar, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Again, everybody, go check out Big Little Brawlers. It debuts this Tuesday night on Discovery, ten nine 9 Central, uh, over, again, on Discovery. Ivar, anything else you want to leave everybody with here uh, to check out the show?
2: Well, like Ivar always says, this is Ivar the Micro, the tiniest rocks on the planet, the voice of Micro Wrestling. Nothing's impossible. I'll see you after Moonshiners. Yeah!
1: Thank you, Ivar. Ooh. Ivar the Micro, ladies and gentlemen.
0: That was wow. fantastic. Uh, we got to have him record like the intro for our show.
1: I was about to say, we'll take a snippet of that. We'll do that at, like we do the opening where it's like... Uh, thank you, Ivar, and uh, thank you to Discovery P- uh, PR for, for setting this up as well. Look forward to seeing more from Big Little Brawlers. All right, everybody. Uh, well, it is time now for the news portion of the show here today. Um, We are going to be keeping the comment section open here right now. So if you want to jump into the chat, let us know what you think about what we're talking about. Uh, that is the way to do it. All right, let's dive right on in here. Let's not waste any time. Uh, last night was this big WWE preview special for 2024. Um, the, of course, the big news coming out of this is uh, about CM Punk's dog Larry. Larry, uh, he blew out his little doggy ACL, but guess what, everybody? Larry's going to be fine. I'm sure that's what
0: everybody tuned in to find out about, right? I, I would imagine that that was that was the case. Uh, big story there. I think the other big story from Punk's uh, messaging was all of the AJ Lee action figures behind him trending <laughs> worldwide on Twitter. That's all I saw people talking about from this this special.
1: I I, I, in my head, I could hear you being like, oh, gosh, golly, gee, it's me, CM Punk. And of course, during the interview, he's like, oh, gosh, yes, my dog. Oh, heavens to Betsy. I can't believe that we're talking about my cute little
0: dog. What a nice guy. I love I love punk in this state. Very funny. But I'm sure Hunter had a a big, huge, massive announcement because I like an idiot yesterday said I thought his big (laughs) announcement was going to be, oh, yeah, Money in the Bank's going to be in Toronto. (laughs) but I'm sure he announced that, did they buy TNA? Uh, have they revived (laughs) AWA? What was the huge news?
1: Uh, well, you were right. I don't even think Hunter, I haven't watched the whole preview. I just watched kind of snippets. I, from what I've read of the recap, I don't think Hunter actually appeared on this show. I think because his tail was between his legs. They just kind of were like, yep. Uh, Earlier today, that was the major announcement. Yes, uh, the big announcement was that Money in the Bank headed to Toronto. They're going to do SmackDown in Toronto the Friday before. They're going to do NXT TakeOver the Sunday after. And there you go, Robert. You were dead, dead on. That was the announcement.
0: Yes, they announced that. And I think they announced two Rumble participants. So they're really, yeah.
1: Yes, they announced Becky Lynch and Shinsuke Nakamura for the Rumble, which I was expecting the announcement to be something to put hype on the Rumble. So I would, have just, I would have just thrown out the rule book and had Hunter come on and say, I've got a big announcement. Two huge WWE superstars are entering the Royal Rumble and made that the announcement, right?
0: I guess. Um, I think they were... <laughs> again, I think that they were expecting... <laughs> we're previewing 2024. Good news, we're going to be in Toronto. Let's get excited. Not realizing that it was going to already have been broken earlier in the day by rumor and innuendo sure. uh, where we are just ruining the the... The 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 pizzazz, the pizzazz.
1: Well, while we're talking about Triple H, I wanted to bring up this note from Wrestling Observer, which I actually thought uh, was uh, maybe one of the most interesting notes uh, coming out of the Observer uh, newsletter this morning. Uh, reporting that after the success of All Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, the crossover they did sending Charlie Dempsey over to fight for the Triple Crown, um, Triple H now. As as well as Nick Khan looking to make more allies in the Japanese market, and Hunter wants to re try to reopen the relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Apparently, now with Tanahashi in charge, Hunter sees a lane where maybe he can make uh, a new relationship here. Obviously, if WWE and New Japan were to cultivate a a relationship, it would allow him to have his performers like I know you don't like people performing together. Places, But it it seems to be a value add for a lot of performers who, for whatever reason, their life's work is built to having that Wrestle Kingdom moment. That's something that it opens the door to. Um, But on top of that, you're taking away one of AEW's biggest allies, right? Like AEW and New Japan have found such success with this annual Forbidden Door show. If Hunter was able to align WWE with New Japan Pro Wrestling in in a really meaningful way, that could... uh, deal a strategic blow to, to his competition right now?
0: It's very possible. I don't think that his intent is he's trying to cut AEW's legs out from under them. I think it's, he's seeing the way the landscape is right now. And he wants to be a lot more open than, than Vince was. And for a while, Vince did have certain working relationships with other companies. And that all kind of went away. And I think we're seeing what's going on with all Japan right now. And Hunter has his global vision. And if you're going to go into these different countries, why not make inroads with the promotions that are so successful there?
1: Yeah, I, it would be a big, it would be very cool to see cross promotional shows between new Japan and WWE. I'm really interested to see how far triple H pushes things in 2024. And by push things, I mean how far he pushes things beyond the norms and the, and the guardrails that Vince McMahon has had in place for 40 years. Um, well, one person who will not be in the WWE or even new Japan pro mix uh, for the foreseeable future is Charlotte Flair. Uh, The Wrestling Observer saying her her surgery took place uh, yesterday in Birmingham, Alabama. She had reconstructive surgery to repair her torn ACL, MCL, and meniscus. She's listed as being out nine months, although those close to her believe she's going to be able to beat that timetable citing the family genetics at returning from injuries in her work ethic and training. Of course, she confirmed the surgery and time off in a post yesterday, but Nine months off, man. That is, is the worst possible time of the year to be going down like this. Now we're going to be talking about Charlotte Flair WrestleMania 41.
0: It is it is rough, but uh, I heard Arn Anderson say the same thing, that he heard that nine-month prognosis and said she will most likely be back sooner. I'm sure she's going to be training hard for it. The advantage that you have is her partner Andrade also being a wrestler. Those two are going to be able to train together. I know she's not going to push herself too hard to come back, but we've seen it with... John Cena in the past, you've seen it with other wrestlers. You saw it with Cody. They get these time frames, and they do everything they can to come back sooner.
1: Yeah. Um. Well. Um. Talk about training, man. Natalia Nightheart, man. I think she has figured out the internet. She is. I, by the way, I had not realized this. Did you know she's been with WWE seventeen years? Can you believe that? Wow. It's been seventeen years. She's been with WWE for seventeen years that was her post she put up the other day and that just blew my mind and then i mean it makes sense because i was writing a little bit about what we're about to talk about here in just a second but i had to go down and like i was like oh i i hear she's like i know she's held some guinness book of world records records she holds six and they're not like throwaway records they're like most matches ever on raw most matches ever on smackdown most wrestlemania appearances ever like legendary stuff from Natty Neidhart. Um, I digress Natty took to social media she shared some videos of her and her husband and uh, one of the lead WWE producers trainers TJ Wilson hosted a training seminar Um, Jade Cargill was in the training seminar a lot of people were lighting up seeing how her work is improved she looked like she was doing some Owen Hart uh, style uh, sequences Angelo Dawkins was there B Fab was there Odyssey Jones was there. Liv Morgan, she was in the background, didn't see her in the ring. But the one person who seemed to catch the most attention in this training group was AEW World Tag Team Champion Ricky Starks, as he was in the ring doing like a, you know, I don't know if I'd call it an interpromotional match, but it's really rare to see an AEW, a WWE guy rolling around in a ring. And there we go. We see Ricky Starks and Ang- Angelo Dawkins, man, right in the middle of a ring. I mean, of course, people are going to wildly speculate and draw insane conclusions from Ricky training with these people. What do you
0: think when you see something like this, Robert? That people need to get a life. Um, <laughs> the, here's the thing about Natty and, and Natty and TJ have have put together this amazing training facility. They've been working for years. I know a number of friends. Who have have worked there as as wrestlers and ultimately became better as as trainers they improve natty takes on her own time she'll take a number of young performers and she will work with them to get them better regardless in some regard of you know what company you're you're with rising tide lifts all boats no it does not surprise you that ricky starks is there it's anybody who's local and wants to go work out and improve their game angelo dawkins since working out there the last couple of years has improved dramatically in the ring. A number of the women go there and they get a lot better at what they're able to do in the ring. I think Natty and TJ, if they ever wanted once their time in WWE is up, if they don't want to stay with NXT, they could build their own dungeon in the, you know, Tampa, Orlando area. And I think turn out a lot of really, really talented performers.
1: Yeah, I am Mr. Cheeseball Productions here saying, well, it's just training. I do expect Ricky to go to WWE when his AEW contract is up. And that is the assumption, I think, of a, a lot of people. And, you know, it's not like there's nothing to that, right? You know, Ricky's obviously, uh, like a lot of AEW uh, stars, was publicly saying how happy they were for Jade Cargill signing with WWE. But unlike a lot of AEW stars, Ricky also publicly gave flowers to CM Punk after he left AEW, right? And sure. he's, criti- he's criticized the number of factions in the company. Um, there was flipping off Chris Jericho at, at World's End. You know, there's a lot of little things, I think, that people look at and they go, man, what's is, either Ricky Starks is just really good at keeping attention on himself, or there just kind of feels like this underlying drumbeat Uh, of something that makes fans feel like he may want to jump ship, I guess, if, if I'm saying that correctly.
0: I think it's a lot of these wrestlers look and see what WWE offers in terms of making you a better storyteller, a better overall performer. And they see the NXT situation that's there and think if I were there, maybe I'd be able to elevate my game a little further. And when you're in AEW, that concept of iron sharpens iron, Ricky Starks was having a great time working with Punk Punk is not there. Built a great relationship with Jade Cargill Jade is not there. I think if he were to go into an NXT, I think his his game, his level would really step up significantly and he'd be a major player in WWE. Well,
1: and and the thing that you know I've heard a lot about um Well, the thing I've heard about a lot from AEW, young AEW talent that goes to uh, that signs that go, young talent that signs and goes to AEW, is a lot of these talents very, you know, hot on the indies, right? Um, Even more experienced talent without the WWE background, I'll say I've heard say this, is that there's not a lot of storytelling, like WWE in (laughs) ring styled storytelling, being taught to the performers. They're getting thrown in there. They're getting told to do the style that makes them feel comfortable. You know, it's a more athletic kind of focus, almost like New Japan is. But there's guys that want the seasoning that you get at WWE. There's a reason that Jade, Jade Cargill is sitting in developmental right now before they put her on TV. Because, yes, she is somebody you can put a TBS title on put her in the ring, and she looks like a pro wrestler. Somebody you could trot out at a business event and say, this is a pro wrestler. But when it comes to that bigger picture, that storytelling, like, how do you get the most out of a headlock? How do you get the most out of a twist of the head and an eyebrow raised to the camera? Those little things, you learn those in WWE and AEW just doesn't have that system in place right now to, to take Ricky's, Darby's, you know, guys that don't have that natural acumen like MJF, and kind of get them up to that speed. If I, if I'm overanalyzing the situation. No,
0: you're right. And I think what's the most amazing is they have one of the all time best in Arn Anderson yes. on their, on their payroll. And they don't use him in that capacity. Arn was one of our lead agents when I was there. And he was a guy who would explain, you don't need to do this in five moves but you can do it in two and really be able to stretch these out. And there's a reason Arn Anderson was John Cena's agent and built, probably the biggest star of the last 20 years and put that into his brain. And I just don't see AEW leveraging that. And I think part of the problem that they have is by not having house shows, by not having continuous reps throughout the week, they don't get a chance to kind of learn trial and error unless you're on television. Some of these guys are wrestling, but they're wrestling on indie shows which have totally different standards. You don't have someone watching your match and giving you feedback. WWE through NXT benefits from you get those reps, you have the right eyeballs on you. You have people talking to you. I think that there's a lot of people in AEW who are willing to sit down and do that. I just don't think there's a number of young wrestlers who are going up and talking to them.
1: Yeah. Um, well, One big name that we know is leaving the WWE fold. Our last WWE note before we get into some AEW stuff here. Uh, Over at the Observer, they're saying Kevin Dunn, it was his call to leave WWE on his own. He made the decision about two months ago when TKO... I I love that you're already laughing at this. He made the decision about two months ago when TKO merged WWE and UFC. He heard that there was going to be budget cuts. But more importantly, he was also not happy that production decisions were being made without his opinion anymore, as they were working autonomously, the Endeavor people were to make decisions. So uh, based off of what Dave Meltzer is saying, Kevin Dunn really only stuck around. And it sounds like somewhat under pressure or an agreement or something like that, because they lost Vince and Laurinaitis at the same time for terrible reasons. Right now. They couldn't have Kevin leaving at the same time because it would have been another notable executive who was part of the rise to the success of WWE that would be leaving the company at a time when they needed stockholders and investors to feel as utmost confidence in this company as possible. So Kevin Dunn stuck around so that they just didn't have one more executive rolling off of their LinkedIn pages is is basically what it sounds like. So, uh, Robert?
0: Yes. If they would have lost Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis and Kevin Dunn all at once, you can't take that much joy. Your heart might explode. So they need to pace it out for the fine folks in Stanford. Because if my former colleagues were told, Hey, good news. Laurinaitis is gone. Hey, good news. Vince is gone. And also Kevin Dunn is gone. The party would still be going on to this day. Um, I'm really proud of Kevin for toughing it out those last two months, getting paid that golden parachute where he could just sit back and do whatever it takes to just call raw. Uh, Really going to miss Kevin. He's amazing. Uh, Look forward to his, his bronze statue in front of the building. All right.
1: I will real quickly address the fact that yesterday, yes, Chris Jericho's cruise announced their lineup. Uh, Chris did not appear on Dynamite. Tony Khan was unable to directly answer whether or not Chris has ever internally been accused of sexual misconduct. We have the weird heart emoji still flying around right now. Uh, and in the midst of that, Chris is going to be doing this uh, cruise. Now, they announced the lineup. It's noticeably, I think, thinner of top talent than previous uh, cruises for what it's worth. Uh, And the top match uh, marquee match is going to be the Don Callis family. Powerhouse Hobbs, Kyle Fletcher, and Mark Davis versus Chris, Paul White, and Mike Bailey. Now, uh, I cannot stress enough how gross I feel Don Callis is. (laughs) And if you all would like to go find a previous bit of investigative journalism I've done uh, into an Impact Wrestling internal investigation into Don, uh, go find my interview with Chris Levin, K-R-I-S Levin, uh, you will also maybe find other content about Chris that is less uh, good. Um, but Chris did come forward and allege that there was an internal investigation into Don that was uh, not neutral and that he believes he lost his job after being honest on the record about what was said to Don and Scott. Uh, it impacted comment on the on the uh, uh, on what Chris said, but they never sued him. So you guys can go ahead and uh, read that for yourself if you'd like to do uh Any looking into to why I feel that way. Um, but yeah, there you go. Chris Jericho he he's you know not on TV and and look, I am <laughs> I am sure that with a cruise line there were contracts in place for this thing where they were like, if this thing doesn't happen, if we can't fulfill these certain things, this is going to be a giant headache. So I'm not shocked to see it being pushed through as it is. but obviously considering the climate right now, uh, it, it's a little odd to me. I'll just say that.
0: Tickets on sale now. <laughs>
1: okay. WrestleNomics. They're talking about AEW Dynamite viewership. Uh Wednesday night show dropped 5% in overall and 16% in P18 to 49 viewership following world's end. Now, this was of course the first episode after Max had made it known he was going to be leaving, taking time off. Uh now we know that is for injury on a severely injured uh shoulder. Um, but you know, it was also the the, the stuff that we were highlighting was uh, the devil, um, the Samoa Joe thing, which they really didn't like you mentioned yesterday, Samoa Joe was not a huge central figure. What what do you what do you attribute because I really thought they were gonna get a bump. I mean, post pay-per-view, there were some big angles. I thought we'd see at least a little bit of a rise. I was really surprised to see a sixteen percent drop in the key demo.
0: I'm surprised because the draw from World's End was who is the devil? And then obviously the next step is why Cole, why? And that was what they opened with. They gave you the, the crux of, of why you would want to tune into Dynamite. And the numbers just didn't bear out for it. So clearly people either heard that it was Adam Cole and they made up their mind like, all right, I already know what the story is and I don't need to see it. Or they were unimpressed by it. But either way, it did kind of shock me because when you're coming off of the big reveal, the big story you've been telling for months and months and months, you expect people to tune in and see the next step. And a 16% drop is, is not insignificant.
1: Yeah, no, it is not. And it is just, a, it's an interesting time to see those numbers. You know, Tony tried a lot of different stuff out on Wednesday night. And just like I said, yesterday, a lot of it seemed like it was kind of ham fisted in there. Like this is the new direction. Here's where we're going. Uh, this Wednesday will be the tale of the tape, right? Did fans bite on the new directions? Tony is taking some of these storylines of characters will have a chance on Friday night with Rampage and Saturday night with Collision to try to advance some of these storylines and, and we'll see where it goes. I will say next week's show is a dailies place. And I think when fans turn on the show and they see that environment, it's very like you think of AEW uh, the visual of next week's show, I think will at least grab some people to stick around and see kind of the, the vibe of what's going on with AEW.
0: Well, next week's show has the return of sting sting is going yeah. to be wrestling, which we know is not going to happen that much more this year we've got three months of sting and then he's gone so i think it's probably his last time at Daly's place uh i don't know if they have anything else scheduled between now and the end of march but the opportunity to see sting wrestle on tv we had Ivar in the beginning talking about how big a fan he is of sting i'm sure a lot of people are going to be tuning in just to see that tag match so hopefully the numbers uh the numbers come back but i think there may be a little bit growing pains for AEW, but they're going to start focusing on the right talent of who they need to build going forward. Like they did by closing with, with Swerve and hangman.
1: Uh, all right. I'm going to real quickly prattle through three things. Cause we've got to wrap. We've gone over time today, but we wanted to make sure we gave Ivar the micro quickly prattle, oh, man. All right. Here's the prattling uh, over on X. Roosh confirmed that he tore his hamstring in his second continental classic match. That was the match where he picked up a win over Mark Briscoe. It is worth noting That match took place a month before he issued this, and he wrestled for a month on a torn hamstring. If it's a partial tear, I read it will be a few weeks that he's out. If it is a more severe uh, full tear, he could be out for several months. It, you know, I don't know.
2: That's rough,
0: but you know what? He was getting the momentum he was building in those matches. I think this was a great spotlight for Roosh. I can understand why he wanted to capitalize on that and go forward. Hopefully he's not too hurt.
1: At New Year's Dash last night, the follow-up show to Wrestle Kingdom, uh, uh, we had a New Japan. We had the New Japan World TV Champion and the President of New Japan, Tanahashi, getting called out in a video by former WWE star Matt Riddle. Now, of course, Matt also has had his uh, problematic issues in recent years. Uh, he's now with MLW. It looks like he's going to give a shot to New Japan Pro Wrestling. I don't want to compare. Not everybody, look, I don't want to compare him to like Punk in this situation because it's very different. But I do feel like these are two guys that right now are going to be working very hard or should be working very hard to be on their best behavior and prove that they are not people that can draw attention to themselves negatively. Because I feel like that's as much of a test right now for Matt at this point of his pro wrestling career as actually delivering in the ring. Do you feel like I'm wrong in saying that?
0: I think you're completely right. I think he needs to be able to show. I'm a mature, responsible uh, adult. I'm somebody that you can build a company on going forward. His relationship with MLW, his relationship uh, or opportunity with New Japan, only going to be helpful. I'm sure he was thrilled to hear about Hunter potentially now working with New Japan.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. All right. Lastly, here uh, over on X, Kota Ibushi. uh, He released the following statement regarding his injury, and this is from this is a Google Translate from Japanese to English. Uh, He said, "I was, uh, and by the way, this is in regard to his." Uh, two uh, injured ankles after uh, earlier this week in Noah. Uh, he says I was scammed by a place called C Five Clinic, which is spread all over the country. As I mentioned before, take care of yourself, please. I think Noah will release information about my surgery, fractures, and dislocations, etc. I'm sorry for the game, everyone. It's my fault. What happened to Kota Ibushi in the 30 minutes he was wrestling this Noah match? It sounds like he's beat to all hell.
0: I. I, I'm trying to make heads or tails of what that translation was. It was kind of like that old episode of News Radio where they translated the boss's book from uh, English to Japanese and back to English. But it certainly sounds like he pushed himself very, very hard in that match. And we are not going to see him for, for quite a little while. Is that
1: Stephen Root? The boss? That was Stephen Root. Yes. God bless. Imagine translating Stephen Root to Japanese. It just, mm, you know, a little too rednecky for me. Proud Florida uh, Gator, Stephen Root. I love Stephen Root so much. Um, and Florida Gators in Water... No, that wasn't him in Waterboy. I always get the other guy. Conf- I'm off on a tangent. We've gone too long. It's the Edward end of the Root. week. Yes. And we're there. And we're in time. Uh, I want to thank Ivar the Micro so much for joining us here today. We have been uh, very, very blessed with wonderful guests here on the show recently. Uh, between Matt Jones, between Stephen P. New, Chavo Guerrero. We're going to try to keep bringing you guys occasional interviews here on the show. Uh, but of course, staying on top of the news, giving you our honest, frank, and unfiltered opinions about everything going on in this business is what we do best. And if you like our style of punditry, you like the way that we cover the pro wrestling news, you got to let the world know. You got to go over to podcast your favorite podcast feed. You got to leave a nice comment, a nice review. You got to hit that subscribe button. And I do apologize to Billy in the CW, as Kami Starr is mentioning. Uh, maybe next week we'll get to Billy. Hey, uh, you know, if the time is right, I did see. I got to share. You know, I guess he, I guess the NWA is publicly advertising their tapings as for the CW network. Now that was pointed out to me this morning. Did you know that?
0: I don't have time to comment on it.
2: All
1: right. Wonderful. We got, we are time. We're time. I'm Nick underscore Hausman at uh, go follow housewrestling.com.
0: On behalf of the prattling Nick Hausman, I'm Robert Carpalis. Best of luck in your future endeavors.